In 2009, I stood at the altar watching my bride-to-be approach me. It was as if she was a magnet. The way our opposites attracted, we were enmeshed in this love triangle. We met at the altar to slaughter our flesh. The two of us became one as we communed with the one who ordained this occasion like creation. He took our lives and painted the chaos of our lives into one that brings him glory. At the altar, we stood humbled because our bodies were no longer our own. We gave to one another a home in which our hearts rest. So I embraced the throne of her presence because at the altar, we made a commitment that we would never be alone. We reside there. It became our grave because we first died there, surrendering, giving up our lives there, surviving heirs to eternity, reminding me of the spring of 2006 on the campus of Mississippi State University when I received the greatest invitation known to humanity. Come to the altar. Come as you are, broken and bruised, hopeless and confused. I was hesitant because it meant being vulnerable. You see, I was often told to go to college to find myself but was now being asked to come to the altar to deny myself. And in the weeds of my depraved past, that night, I found the treasure of a renewed life with Christ. The other day, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking, they were discussing about the two questions that young people wrestle with. And one of the questions has to do with identity. Who am I? But the most pressing question that they raise that young people are wrestling with is this whole idea of belonging. Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? And the thing is, is if we don't help facilitate this discussion, or at least at the very least, point them to the one who provides the guidance and the answers for us, they will be young, young people or young adults that struggle with these same two questions. But these are questions I certainly wrestled with growing up. So prior to that experience at MSU, I had this longing in me to belong. And that was the beautiful thing about this particular community of believers. I not only had a longing to belong, but I had a longing to be a part of a community to belong to. And as a non-believer, I would go to these FCA meetings and see the joy, the hope, in the community of my peers, and I would say to myself, I want to be a part of that because there is something, something happening there. There is a power that exists there that is unexplainable, and I want access to that power. There was room for me, a non-believer, at the table of fellowship amongst God's people. They met me where I was in my brokenness and didn't just say, you belong here with us. But they also said that in the kingdom of God, there is room for you. And we began to treasure Christ together. Several weeks ago, I met with the student ministry leaders, and we talked about focusing on fostering healthy community amongst the students within Strong Tower. Because having access to a healthy community of believers is important which is one reason why we decided to have this fall retreat this year, November 1st through the 3rd. And the theme is together. It is good for students to retreat from their normal routines and spend quality time with their peers. 
We are trying to create a safe, neutral place for students to have fun together, grow together, connect together, worship together. In other words, we want to create space where students can treasure Christ together. The Lord placed this on my heart from experiences I had this past summer when I was serving in my role as a chaplain at Little Rock Air Force Base. So grateful for the experience that being a chaplain provides with me as it provides tools in my ministry toolbox that has definitely helped me and served me well in my role as director of student ministry here at Strong Tower Bible Church. So I'm so thankful that you all are allowing me to serve in that capacity along with my role here at Strong Tower. Amen? So the Lord placed this on my heart. So this past summer, as I did my two-week tour at Little Rock, I had some very hard experiences. I had to wrestle with some hard things. But in these experiences, the Lord was teaching me some things in particular. I have been slowly reading through the book of Acts, which admittedly means that I've been slacking a little bit, but I've been consistent in reading. But I've been slowly reading through the book of Acts, and I'm often amazed how God uses my personal study, what I'm studying in that moment, to speak the situations I find myself in. So I had several counseling sessions, and there was a very telling theme in all of these sessions. In fact, there was a very telling theme in my whole two weeks experience in Little Rock. Each person that walked in the office was in crisis mode and was suicidal to one, from one degree to another, which is a taboo subject that we, barely, that, that we very rarely talk about because prior to coming there, there had been two suicides um, on, that, on that base. So there were individuals coming into these counseling sessions that were struggling with suicidal thoughts. And one common theme that came up in all of these sessions was their lack of community. And to make matters a bit more heavier, during this two-week experience, I was also tasked with the role of being a part of a casualty notification team, which means we had to go out and we had to look a mother and a father in the eyes and tell them that their son committed suicide. One of the hardest things I've had to do. And as we finished making this notification, I could not help but think to myself, did he have support? Was there a community surrounding this young man? And I'm not sure. But this was one of the most difficult things I have had to do in my years of of ministry. I had a hard time sleeping that night. It was very early in the morning when we got back to the base, so everyone that I called was asleep. So I spent a night in much prayer with very little sleep, as you can imagine. But here's the thing. Many of us don't realize the importance of community until we need community and not have it. Many of us do not realize the importance of community until we need community and not have it. However, Scripture is very clear. We need to be in community with other believers. We need to enter into one another's life. 
It is in the fellowship of one another. It is in the body of Christ that we can minister to the wounds of one another. Otherwise, we find ourselves suffering not only in silence, but also in isolation. We need community. In this generation, unfortunately, with social media, we are missing the personal touch of others. The need to be present and in the presence of another, to share in one another's burdens. So many are not only suffering in silence, but they are suffering in isolation. We need community. And this morning, we will discuss a couple of things. First, we will see what we should regard as the four practices of the body of Christ, treasuring Christ together. Second, we will see what those practices look like lived out. And lastly, we will see the power of community and how God uses it to draw others to himself. Let us turn to Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. So we will start here in Acts chapter 2, and then later on we will move into Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. All right. Let us read together. They devoted themselves, they meaning the followers of Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together. All who, all who believed were together. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They will sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, this text provides us with a, a great picture of communal living. And it shows us what communal living looks like or should look like in the life of the church. When we look at the history of the early church, the book of Acts gives us the four practices that provides us insight into the priorities of the early Christian community. Those practices are God's word, Fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. God's word, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. So in order for us to be in community together, in order for the body of Christ to treasure Christ together, these four practices should be considered normative for the church today. We need community. Verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then Luke shows us what that looks like in the, in the following verses, verses 43 through 47. But first he says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. 
When we read Peter's sermon at Pentecost earlier in chapter 2, we hear the gospel. Peter preached the gospel to, to the large crowd, and the Bible said that those who heard it was cut to the heart, which means that the Lord was working in, the heart, in their hearts, drawing people to himself. As a result of Peter's proclamation, about 3,000 were added to the faith. These believers relied on the apostles' teaching about who Jesus was and what he has done. They put their trust in Jesus and desired to grow in their relationship with him. In the next five verses, we will see what these four practices look like lived out, which will serve as an example for us. It's the body of Christ. In verse 43, it says, All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. So not only were the apostles teaching, but the believers devoted themselves to their teaching. The power of God was at work in and through the apostles. The evidence of God's powerful work is him changing the human heart towards a reverent fear of him. And where God is at work, lives will be touched in miraculous ways through those who follow him. We need community. Verse 44 says, all who believe were together. All who believe were, amen, all who believe were together and had all things in common. Not only did the believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching together, but they also were in fellowship together. They were breaking bread together. They were pray in prayer together. The term here for fellowship in the Greek means a joint participation or a sharing something in common. What, what were they sharing? Well, the text says in verse 45 that they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. In other words, they, they all share in the needs of one another, whether it was spiritual or whether it was physical needs. They all shared in the needs of one another. And when the body of Christ is in community with one another, you know what else we share? We certainly share the same Lord Jesus Christ. We share the same God for our lives. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship him. But you know what else we share in common? We share in the same victories, which means we also share in the same struggles. We need community. We treasure Christ together when we are in joint participation or sharing things in common. When we share in the needs of one another, when we, participate in, when we participate in and share in the victories and struggle of one another, we need community. Community is not only needed, but it's vital to the life of the believers. In verse 46, it says, Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. So they would meet together in the temple, which is a form of fellowship. They would meet in the temple to worship together through word and song. They would meet in the temple together to break bread together through the sharing of the Lord's Supper. They would meet in the temple to pray together, but they not only met inside of the temple, but they also met outside of the temple because the Bible said that they met together in one another's homes. 
That's community. Verse 47 says, they were praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, Luke does not specifically say why numbers were being added, but it appears that the numbers were being added through the gathering of God's people, that others would see the power of God at work through his people. And just like I did within the ministry of FCA and that particular group, they wanted access to that power. There is power when the body of Christ are in the community together, treasuring Christ together. We need community. And God uses that community to bring others to himself. So we must devote ourselves to God's word together, to fellowship together, to breaking of bread together, it's a prayer together. It is through this togetherness that God will use to bring others to himself. Amen? Now let's turn to Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 32. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 32. Now this passage of Scripture is significant to me because... This summer, when I had all these challenging experiences, the Lord led me to this particular text. And in this text, in this passage, we see the power of God at work in his followers. And we also see how God used that to draw others to himself. Let us read Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 32. And it says... About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So Paul and Silas were together worshiping, and other people were observing what they were doing. The 26 says, suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. So we see Paul and Silas worshiping together. Then we see the power of God at work. As the earthquake came and the, the foundations of the prison were shaken and then the doors of the prison were opened and, and chains were being loosened, the power of God was at work. Verse 27 says, when the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But I love Paul's response. It says, but Paul shouted in a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights. And rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. And then we, we find out that him and his household became saved. It started with Paul and Silas in the prison, worshiping together. And then them noticing the power of God at work, how the foundations of the prison shook and the doors opened and chains began to loosen. The power of God was at work. 
And I believe that that jailer saw the power of God at work and said, I want access to that power. What must I do to be saved? God used that to draw him and his family to himself. We need community, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world. Because God uses community to draw others to himself. We need community. But ironically, it seems that in those times when we are going through tough times, in those times when we are facing some trials and tribulations, we tend to isolate ourselves from the body. Why do we do that? Or maybe I could just speak for myself. When Adam and Eve consumed the forbidden fruit, the Bible says that their eyes were open. And the Bible says that they hid themselves from the presence of God. They hid themselves from the, the very thing they needed in that moment. They needed God, but they hid themselves from his presence. And we are no different. We need community. However, in times of great challenges, in times of great trials, we remove ourselves or we tend to remove ourselves from the very thing God uses to help carry us through these tough times. We need to be in community together, sharing in each, each other's victories together, sharing in each other's trials and struggles together. We need community. Now, the other day I was watching a, a documentary, and it was about lions and hyenas. And I think this, this provides a, a great picture uh, that is very applicable to us. Now, I show how a lion ended up straying away from the other lions and isolating itself. And in isolation, a group of hyenas surrounded it and almost overtook the lion until the other lions came to protect it. When a believer is outside of community or in isolation, the enemy can surround us and overwhelm us with his evil schemes. But when we are in healthy community with one another, with those who will pray for us, listen to us, carry in our burdens, encourage us, laugh with us and cry with us, there is protection when we are in healthy community with one another. We need community. We need to be in community, devoting ourselves to God's word together and fellowship together, breaking bread together, and praying together, treasuring Christ together. We need community. And this is our prayer for the students within our student ministry. But it is also my prayer for Strong Tower Bible Church that we be in community together, treasuring Christ together, inside and outside of the church, meeting each other's needs. Um, that's community. Amen? Let us stand to our feet. So as mentioned, we will be having a fall retreat. The student ministry will be having a fall retreat November 1st through the 3rd. And the registration is open. It's $80 per person, but we never want money to be a hindrance of, of, of our students going. So we have ways that, that other ways that you could give as well. So if you would like to provide a scholarship or if you, if you would like to give in some way, you can go to the, the, the um, giving tab on the Strong Tower website or also on the app and give to the student ministry designation. Um, so thankful for the gifts that you all provide 
making this necessary for, for students to, to come and join together and treasure Christ together. Now, I realize also that this retreat is a bit of a, a leap of faith that we're taking, but sometimes we have to be willing to step out of the boat. Amen? So our prayer is that we can get at least 30 students. How many? 30 students. Now, I realize that we haven't gotten 30 students to attend an event that we had so far. I think the most we've had was 21 this past summer at our bus ride. But again, I want to step out on faith. The Bible says, walk by faith and not by sight. And so my prayer is that we can get at least 30 students to attend this retreat November 1st through the 3rd. Amen? All right, let us pray. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing.